response to Jesus, our great God and King. As the worship team was ministering just a moment ago, I was reminded of Psalms chapter 34. Therein the psalmist says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. His praise again shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. If we've come here today for anything, it's that we've come to give God praise for the way that he's loved us because he is good and his loving kindness is forever. Amen. Amen and amen. Today I'm going to be preaching you to you a sermon entitled Paradox. But before we get to it, won't you bow your heads one more time with me as we go before our Father and ask that he would anoint the hearing and the preaching of his word. Father in heaven, we, we've come, we've come humbled, but also we come confident. Father, we've come today to hear from you. See, we've heard many a voice in the past week. We, we, we've, we've heard voices that were positive, and so too have we heard voices that were negative. We've heard reports on every side, and we've heard people give opinions about all sorts of things that we didn't ask their opinions on. But God, today we've come to get direction. Today we've come to, to, to get a revelation of who Jesus is. So Holy Ghost, if you don't show up, then everything we've done here today is in vain. Holy Ghost, if you don't show up and show us Jesus, then we've wasted our time. But Holy Ghost, we trust that you're here. And we trust that you're here to speak to us. We, we, we trust that you're here to convict us. You're here to challenge us. You're here to encourage us and to inspire us. So Holy Ghost, come now and show us Jesus. Show us him bloodied and beaten on a cross. And then remind us that he is no longer there or in the tomb, but that on a day like today, he rose and is alive. Holy Ghost, I need you and we need you. Be present. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Gospel Fellowship is so good to be back with you today. Uh, I said on Facebook this morning that I'd be fellowshipping and having church with one of my favorite churches in South Florida, and I mean that. You know, I think, I don't know if I told y'all last time, but I think I found my preaching voice here at Gospel Fellowship. I ain't lying to you. See, I've been around a lot of good churches, and I've been preaching around, you know, some, some very great churches that I love dearly, but, but they just didn't have the same kind of flavor. See what I'm saying? I'm, I'm used to church with a little bit of flavor. 
I, I come from the uh, Latin Pentecostal church, so we don't call it flavor. We call it sazon there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I know there's a couple of Latins in the building today. Shout out to my Latino people. You know what I mean? Listen, and so, and so, and so I, I love gospel fellowship. I believe that God, and I really mean this, I believe that he allowed me to preach here a couple of times before launching our church to get me prepared uh, for what it would be like to preach in a context more similar to what, what I know as home, to what I know as home. And so I am beyond grateful for you guys. Uh, honored today, uh, your pastor, Pastor Rodney Wilkinson. He's a great man of God who I am motivated and inspired by greatly. So thank you, Rod, for trusting me with your pulpit today. Paradox. For the past week, we've commemorated or celebrated this holiday, Thanksgiving. But in the world we live in, we realize that while there are things to be thankful for, there are a lot of things to be frustrated and angry over. It's because we live in a world of paradox. War and peace. Poverty and wealth. Paradox, disease and health, confusion and clarity. Paradox, hate and love, sinners and saints. That's who we are. Paradox, death and life, longing and satisfaction. Paradox. In one word, we, in this one word, we capture probably the most accurate description of our experience. In dying, we live. And in losing, we win. When we became adopted by the Spirit of God and united to Jesus through faith, some of, the, some of the same paradoxes that marked Jesus now mark us through our union with him. For, for it was him, he had nothing yet possessed everything. He was subject to no man but servant to all men. And he was of no repute but he's the one to whom Every knee will bow. Paradox. Naturally, it would seem like the more we consider the world around us, the, the more we'd be driven to frustration and restlessness. But for the children of God, who've been sealed by his Holy Spirit, the more we consider our world in light of our God, the more we recognize its beat and adjust to its rhythm. See, again, our default is to become frustrated and restless in a world full of paradox. But because when we think of paradox, what we think of is confusion. That's why you're confused in your experience even now. Because you say, I'm a child of a king, yet I experience poverty. How can that be? 
And our natural default then is to become frustrated. It's to become confused and it's to become restless in an attempt to figure out what's going on with the crazy world that we live in. But if we consider our world in light of our God, we'll recognize its beat and then we'll adjust to its rhythm. And the faster we catch our step, the faster our souls will find rest. And that's the goal. The, 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 the goal is that, that in this world full of paradox, in this world where there is war and peace and hate and love, that we would be able to remain holy and healthy in the paradox of our existence. That's what I want to talk to you about today. How do we remain holy and healthy in the paradox of our existence. If you would, please turn with me now in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 15 through 21. Again, Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version of the Scriptures. Listen to what it says. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything, giving thanks always and for everything in the midst of the paradox of our experience, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And again, Father, we ask that you would add a rich blessing to the preaching of your word. And let, me, let me give you a quick rundown. In this text, Paul the Apostle exhorts the people of Ephesus and reminds them of how not to live and how bad their world is. Then after he's done doing, with, doing that in the same breath, he, he says, live paradoxically. He says, don't live in this way. And the world is in trouble. But I want you to live distinctly. I want you to live paradoxically or contra in a contradictory way. See, see, here's what I need you to understand as we continue working through this text. Paul and his contemporaries were no strangers to struggle. They had experienced poverty, 
class wars, cultural wars, and all sorts of violence plagued their streets the same ways ours do. Like us, Paul knew all about predatory policing and systematic injustice because he was both a culprit of it and a victim of their evils. Paul understood the struggle. He knew how broken the world was. He knew how messed up things were. And so when Paul tells us, hey, I need you to be careful with the way you live and to not live like that, but to live paradoxically, he's not doing it as someone who is naive. Instead, he's doing it as someone fully acquainted with the craziness of the world. Yet and still he says, hey, listen, the world is in shambles and everything is falling apart, but I don't want you to live like the world is in shambles and everything is falling apart. He says, I want you to live paradoxically. Even though everything is going crazy and the systems of this world are failing you and there is injustice on every side and there is oppression on every side, I want you to live as those who are thankful. I want you to speak singing psalms and spiritual hymns. He says, I know the reality of what's going on in the world around you, yet I, I demand that you would live differently. He also knew personally what crooked political processes and parties were. You know why? Because he was a leader in one. So, so, so then Paul was more immersed in the brokenness of this world than all of us. Another way to say that is that he was more woke to the dysfunction and corruption of the systems of this world than your number one Jew 3 or 13 follower. But he still exhorts us and the Ephesians not only to be vigilant, that's where us woke folks go wrong, by the way. Right? Sometimes we, we, we caught up in being vigilant. So sometimes we, 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 we stop at watching and looking for injustices and, and brokenness and trouble. That's how our grandmothers or minds at least became miserable. I don't know if I can say that. I love her though. That, that's why I call her that sometimes, unfortunately. God is still working on me. Because every time I see her, she does what? Point out the what? The negative. She, she's pointing out the negatives. She's gotten better. My goodness, I'm going to have to apologize for that later. You know, some people say, y'all be playing. Why y'all playing with me for? Stop playing with me like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. All right, not your grandma. But it's somebody you know that every time you get around them, they just don't seem like they got nothing good to say. They don't seem like they just got nothing positive to say. And every time you get around them, they're just complaining about something, some issue, or somebody. Anybody with me today? That's what us woke folk be sounding like sometimes. That, that, that's what sometimes our contemporaries and us, right? I'm the first one on the line. That's what we be sounding like sometimes. We're, we're complaining about all the brokenness, 
We're complaining about this is going on, and it seems like we're spending all our time looking for what's messed up. Well, well, friends, you already know the way I know. We don't got to look too hard. It's all around us. Paul says to us here in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, listen, don't live as the fool. And, and, and live redeeming the time because the time is short. Time is coming to an end. But then in that same breath, he says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. And then he says, he says, be filled with the Holy Ghost, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So he says, be vigilant, but don't stop there. Be vigilant and joyful and thankful and humble. Here's the method Paul gives us for remaining holy and healthy in the paradox of our existence. It's, it's be watchful, but be thankful. My first point is this. He says, make sure that, that you dance like a Christian, taking advantage of every opportunity that will arise. He, he says that this world we live in, in this paradox of our existence between bad and good and war and peace, he says, as you dance in that, dance like a Christian, taking every opportunity that will arise. See, my man Paul knew how easy it is for us to forget what we're fighting for. He, he, he knew how easy it is for us to get caught up in the hype of the paradox. He knew how easy it is for us to go from trying to remain sane in our insane situations to getting lost in the sauce and just going with, with the flow of the drama of the world. He understood that at some point, we'd get caught up in the moment and begin to move more according to our fleshly passions than our God-given mission. And ain't that the truth? Living in this life ain't easy. It's hard living in the paradox of our existence. It's hard living in a world full of, of good and evil. It's hard living in a world where, where on the one hand we have everything we need for life and godliness and on the other hand we don't got enough to fill our bellies. It's hard to live in this sort of world and, and Paul knew that at some point we would be fighting to try to stay sane but that we would get caught up in the mess of things. Here's how I've seen it play out in my life and, and, and in so many of the lives of the people around me. You start cutting against the grain in an endeavor to remain pure until marriage for Jesus' namesake. But then somewhere along the lines, you end up being all nasty to your brothers in Christ because you forgot 
what you were fighting for. I knew I would have to take some time and work this one out. Sometimes we're, 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 we're fighting because we live in a world where we, we, we have a real uh, uh, a passion inside of us for relational companionship and romance and a fight for purity or a desire for purity that is God-given. And so, and so we've got these two different things going on. We have a desire for passion, and God created us with that desire. But so too has God given us his fruits of the Spirit, like self-control, so that we might be able to fight things like lust. The romance in this fallen world often becomes, that's what it becomes, romance becomes lust to we who are fallen. And so, and so you begin on a fight to stay pure unto marriage for the glory of God. You, you, say, you say, you know what, even though I've done some dirt in the past, that ends here from this day forward, I'm going to fight to be pure. I'm going to fight to stay pure. I'm going to fight till I make it down the aisle and make those vows. I'm going to fight for that. Then somewhere in the paradox of our existence, we forget what we're fighting for, and so all of a sudden we start acting nasty to people of different genders. Because at some point it changes from from, from, from trying to stay pure for the glory of Christ to start trying to stay pure for my reputation's sake. It's real life. We live in a world full of paradox. And Paul knows that, 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 that at some point in our fight, we're going to forget what we're fighting for. Another way this works out is you begin to pursue justice for the sake of the glory of God and the good of neighbor, but then you end up fighting the powers that be for the sake of shaming racists and turning the tables on our enemies. Is anybody with me today? You, you, you began with a good and noble endeavor. You began, I begin, I began seeking to right the wrongs so that we might see a more clear and visible representation of the kingdom of God. Began with a good and noble and godly purpose. But then somewhere along the lines, things change. And now it isn't about the kingdom of God being more visible among us, but instead now it's about, I want to shame the racist. I want to see the tables turned. No, no, it's not just about equity no more. Now it's about restitution. Now it's about you sitting in the, in the back of the bus. Now it's about you not being able to come into our spaces because we need spaces that you're not allowed to be in because you had spaces where we couldn't sit. Paul knew that at some point we'd get caught up in the paradox that we live in. 
and begin to move more according to our fleshly passions than the God-given mission that we were commissioned on by Christ. So, so Paul says here in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, listen, I know it's rough out there. So if you're going to remain holy and healthy in the paradox of your existence, you're going to have to make sure that you dance as a Christian. That you dance as a Christian. That, that you live in this paradoxical world as a Christian taking every opportunity to do good that will arise. This is what he's talking about when he speaks about us redeeming the time. When, when, when he talks about redeeming the time, sometimes we only think about the idea of buying back time. And, and redeeming the time definitely speaks to buying back time but it also speaks to making the best out of every opportunity that arises in our lives. Paul says that if we're going to remain holy and healthy in this crazy and confusing world, that it's going to happen because we are taking every opportunity we have to do good in the world around us. And we do that by being active participants in the happenings of our world and learning how and when to engage righteously. If we're not careful, we get caught up and we move according to our fleshly passions as opposed to the mission of God. See, see, when, when, when Paul starts out saying, don't live as the foolish do, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are cutting, being cut short. What, what Paul is, he says, he says, listen, he says, living carefully. That's what he says. Don't live as fools, but live as wise. And he says to do that carefully. Here's what I need you to know today about this idea. Fools live in the moment. I said fools live in the moment. I got some new believers at my church, and, and, they're, and they're working through what does it look like to live a Christian life. And, and one of my guys, he's like, he's like an over-planner. He, he's, he's this guy who he just thinks everything through like 50 times, and so sometimes it's hard for him to pull the trigger on doing good. And so his answer to that was, from now on, because I trust Jesus, I'm just going to live in the moment. And I said, brother, just, just, just chill for a second, and let's work this thing out in discipleship. Because he, he, he had a noble desire. He's saying, man, i got to trust Jesus. That means that I'm just going to go with the flow every single day. Whatever comes up, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to plan. I'm not going to think beyond today. The scripture does say to not be worried about tomorrow. That don't mean that we don't plan. Anybody with me today? Yeah, don't be worried about tomorrow. Don't, don't be all scared about what's going to happen tomorrow. Because Jesus is, is concerned with, he's concerned with, with birds. And he's concerned with flowers. 
how much more is he going to care and take care of us? We don't got to worry about, about whether or not we're going to be able to pay the bills tomorrow. We don't got to worry about whether or not we'll end up sick tomorrow. Those things may happen, but listen, God got you. With them bills, he got you. When it comes to illnesses, he got you. When it comes to stability, God's got you. Don't worry, but only fools live in the moment. Only fools don't consider tomorrow. Christian living demands that we think comprehensively, comprehensively about what we're going to do with the time that we got because we understand that we're living in the last days. I don't care what your theology or eschatology is today. Jesus thought that the end was near. And so too did the apostles. So I don't care if you pre-mill, R-mill, or post-mill, we live in the last days. And there is a way that people who understand that they're living in the last days live. People who understand that they're living in the last days live with great urgency and zeal. Jesus and the apostles are the epitome of people who knew that tomorrow was coming very, very soon. They were the epitome of people who knew and believed that the end was near. And so they made the best use of their life. And so they, they did everything. They poured themselves out until they had no more because they understood that times were short. This is what Paul is talking about here in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul says, hey, don't live as fools, but live as the wise. You know what he's talking about? He says, he, he's saying, don't live as the unbeliever lives. Oftentimes when Paul uses the analogy of fool and wise, what he's really talking about is those who are saved and unsaved. It's the idea of those who are illuminated and those who are still in ignorance. So, so what Paul is saying is, hey, live like Christians live. And the way Christians live is redeeming the time because Christians know that Jesus is coming back soon. So he says, he says, listen, yes, it's crazy. Yes, there's turmoil on every side. Yes, there's drama. But listen, I need y'all to leave everything out on the field. I need you to pound the concrete till your hands and your feet, they're exposed. The, the flesh is explode, exposed. Until you could see the bone, I need you to serve like you've never served. I need you to give like you've never given. I need you to care for the widows, for the orphan, for the drug addict, and for the prisoner. The way that you have never done it and in a way that is distinct from those who are in the world. Because the people in the world, they're serving them just because of maybe some sort of guilt. Maybe they're serving them because they just feel bad for them. But we, we serve and we go out and rescue people because we understand that the end is near and I'm still a preacher who believes in heaven and hell. Well, 
If there's a hell, and there's still people here, but the time is short, and there are people who do not worship Jesus, they haven't bowed their knees to King Jesus, and I'm a believer, then I serve them till I got nothing left because I don't want to see them end up in eternal damnation forever. So we serve with great zeal. We preach the gospel like there is no tomorrow. This is what Paul is telling us here in Ephesians 5. Christians live carefully, redeeming the time, taking every opportunity that there is. We do not live like the fundamentalists live. No, no, no. He, he doesn't want us. Well, he's not trying. He does the opposite. He's not trying to tell us, hey, listen, because things are bad, I need y'all to go hide off somewhere in a very terrified and petrified way. Instead, he says, yes, times are bad and they're coming short, but I need y'all to get out there and serve. How did we come up with this idea that because the end was coming, we need to hide in our churches? That's not what Paul tells us here. He says, the time is running out, so go and serve. Time is running out, so go and pound the concrete. We need to live like Jesus and the disciples who knew the time was short. But Paul continues, and, and then he says, he says, listen, if you are going to be able to remain holy and healthy in the paradox of your existence, rid yourself of anything that may distract you more than you already are, but consume as much of the Holy Ghost as you can. Now that, 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 that's my take on what Paul is saying when he says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, in this paradox, Paul is saying, Hey, there's one way the unbeliever lives and there's another way the believer lives and there's many reasons for why the unbeliever lives the way the unbeliever lives, right? There's, there's many explanations for why people are violent in this world. They're violent because they believe in the survival of the fittest. They're violent because they don't trust that God is going to provide for them. Therefore, if I don't got no paycheck coming in legally, I need to go and get money illegally. Because if I don't go and make it happen somehow, it ain't coming. So, 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 so Paul tells us here, he says, listen, there's a reason why they live the way they live because of the paradox, because of so much turmoil and toil that's happening in this world. You have plenty of distractions already. Getting drunk just adds to your distracted state. Paul is saying, you already got too much going on where you don't have enough clarity. So, so rid yourself of any more opportunities to be distracted. You got enough of those already and fill yourself up with the Holy Ghost that will enable you to live holy and healthily in this world. 
Listen, GF, if we're going to remain holy and healthy in the paradox of our existence, it's going to be because we are filled with the Holy Ghost. Truth be told, the current world is, the current of this world is not in favor of us addressing each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Did you hear me? The current of this world is not in favor of us doing what Paul is telling us to do. It's not in favor of us addressing each other, singing psalms and hymns. No, the current of this world is driving us to be angry and scream at each other. It's causing us to be angry and fight with each other. Nobody can get along no more, it seems. We can't get along because of race. We can't get along because of politics. We can't get along because of church styles. Nobody can get along no more. And, and the current of our world, it's opposed to us living, thankfully, the way Paul tells us to live, thankfully. The times we're living in don't make singing and making melody to the Lord's with our hearts easy. The times we're living in causes us to cry and despair, not to sing. Singing is something that is produced by joy. What you get that's produced by joy that is also singing, if it's not coming from God and his goodness, is country music. It's terrible. Sorry. I just had to throw that in there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My right-hand man at my church is a country dude. I got a pass. The way our situations currently work aren't the most conducive for giving thanks always and for everything. That's just not the reality that you and I live in. And our culture certainly hasn't created a situation where submitting to one another is normal. We don't do that around here. We don't believe in, in, in honoring one another no more. We don't believe in submitting ourselves to leadership of someone else. So now everybody needs to be an entrepreneur. Sometimes we, we, don't, we, we, don't, we don't live carefully enough. We don't stop. We don't pause enough to realize what's going on in our world. How you want to be a boss, but you ain't never get no money ever in your life because you ain't never working nine to five, but you want to be a boss and an entrepreneur. Sit your behind down somewhere. Work and serve faithfully somewhere for a little bit of time. Pastor Rodney, I ain't going to take too much of your work. I'm going to leave that for you. But hey, some of y'all want to want to start your own businesses and do this and this and that, but you ain't never worked. You, you can't submit to your parents. You don't submit to your pastors. But you want to go and be somebody's boss somewhere. I feel bad for the person that works under you after you've never worked under nobody. The way our world works isn't conducive to these things. So the only way we will remain holy and healthy in the paradox of our existence is going to be if we are regularly being filled by the Spirit of God. I'm closing up now. 
But, but here's what I want to say. We're filled with the Holy Ghost as we read his inspired scriptures and as we pray. But let us not kid ourselves. I've prayed a million times and then opened my eyes just as discouraged, just as faint, and just as doubtful as I was before I did whatever I did and called it prayer. We, 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 we're, not, we're not filled with the Spirit just because we, we bowed our knees and said something. But because, like I was saying to my congregation the other day, half the times when we bow our knees, we're not communing with God, we're just begging God. God, give me this. God, give me that. I need this. I need that. Do this. Do that. Like we're some entitled brats. That ain't prayer. That's not communion with God, your Father. That, that, that's, that, that's that welfare begging mentality we've been taught in the inner city. That's what that is. And God is not pleased with that. You think you're going to bow your knees, God, give me this, God, give me that, do this, do that. And you think you're going to be filled with his power? You think you're going to be filled with his presence and his anointing because you've just came and begged from him? I think there's a, I think there's a redemptive kind of begging where, where, where we come before him and say, God, I've been lost and distracted, please Fill me with your spirit. Please give me uh, just zeal for your presence. Please help me to press into what you're doing in my life and the world. I think there's a redemptive begging. But that's not the same as what we're so accustomed to doing. We're filled with the spirit as we persistently pursue him in prayer and the reading of scriptures. Watch this. I ain't never seen nobody get drunk by looking at a bottle of 151. Y'all church folk, y'all don't even know about a bottle of 151. Look at y'all. I thought I was at cruciform for a second. I'm sorry. They all be getting lit. All used to get lit. I'm sorry. I ain't never seen nobody get drunk by looking at a bottle of liquor. And neither do we get filled with the Spirit by looking and admiring God. It don't happen that way. If you're going to get drunk, you're going to have to pop that bottle and drink it. And if you're going to get filled with the Holy Ghost, it's going to take you doing what we used to do back in the day, tarrying in prayer. It's going to happen as we persistently pursue his filling in our lives. That ain't just opening up to whatever psalm we find and getting it out of the way. No. See, see, see the old folk, they used to spend hours at the altar of, of the church begging and beseeching God to work on their behalf, to work on the behalf of the community and to glorify himself. Don't be drunk with wine. Don't get more distracted than you already are. But be filled with his spirit. 
You know, we don't, we don't, we don't uh, try and dictate how God moves, but the prayers of the righteous, the fervent. See, I, 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 we almost let that pass. And don't we do that so often? We say, well, if I'm righteous, then my prayers are going to be effective. But the way the text say it, though, is that the fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much. Church, we got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's only going to happen if we persistently pursue him. As I take my seat, I want to make sure you understand something today. Paul says, be filled with the Spirit and you'll remain holy and healthy in this world. And we can trust that this is true because the power he tells us to rely on is the same power that we depend on. My God, I want this to go over your head. We can trust that this is true, that, that we will remain holy and healthy if we're being filled with the Spirit because the same Spirit that we are relying on for effectiveness, we depend on for life. <laughs> I, need, I need you to understand today that the only reason you and I are alive today is because of the power of the Spirit of the living God. Listen, it's the power of the Spirit or by the power of the Spirit that Jesus preached. It's, it's in the power of the Spirit that Jesus prayed. And when Jesus was hanging on that old and forsaken tree, it was by the power of the Spirit that he forgave those who killed him. When Jesus was hanging on that tree for our sins and in our stead, when Jesus was hanging on that tree for our sins of lust and for our sins of lying and for our sins of greed and for our sins of, of, of idolatry, the ones we remember and the ones we don't remember, the ones we acknowledge as sins and the ones we won't even admit to be sins. The ones that we hate and the ones that we love. The ones we committed back in the day and the ones we'll commit today. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, it was by his spirit that he forgave those who placed him there. We can trust that if we regularly go and be filled by the spirit of God, we will live holy and healthy in, our, in the paradox of our experience. Church, God bless you. Grace and peace.